Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. The book of Acts relates many marvelous stories of the experiences of the first century believers. These stories can entertain, but more important, they are a pattern, an example to us, that we see from the church life as the Lord initiated it on the earth. One such story is that of the Ethiopian eunuch and how Philip happened upon him and led him to a full and meaningful salvation. We'll pick up that story and all its meaning for us on today's Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry. Dick Taylor is back once again today as we look into this well-known passage in Acts chapter 8. Welcome, Dick. We're happy to have you as always. Thank you very much. Dick, this is one of those classic stories that um, I think is often thought of when people consider the book of Acts. And the story of the Ethiopian eunuch is a story that points us directly to the pattern of gospel preaching that's given to us in the Bible. Of course, a lot of things are done today to preach the gospel, Mm -hmm. but we're really focusing on what the Bible presents to us as a real pattern and example. I think the story is clear enough, and the verses themselves will give us the background that we need for today's message. So why don't you read uh, this portion from Acts chapter 8 for us? And he rose up and went, and behold, an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, a man in power under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was over all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and was sitting in his chariot and reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, Approach and join this chariot. And when Philip ran up, he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you really know the things that you are reading? And he said, How could I, unless someone guides me? And he entreated Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of Scripture which he was reading was this, As a sheep he was led to slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is dumb, so he does not open his mouth. And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he announced Jesus as the gospel to him. And as they were going along the road, they came upon some water. And the eunuch said, Look, water! What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe from all your heart, you will be saved. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stand still, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any more, for he went on his way rejoicing. 
Well, that's our topic today. Let's join Witness Lee with this first portion. Here is an eunuch from Ethiopia. He was a God-seeking man. He came from the Middle East of Africa, coming to Jerusalem for one purpose, just to worship God. He was a God-seeking man. He was hungry after God, and he got a copy of the Old Testament. He was reading Isaiah chapter 53. Then the Spirit was to tell Philip, go to that chariot. And Philip went, hearing that eunuch in chariot, reading Isaiah 53. You could see that was the best portion for the preaching of the gospel. Here is a principle when we go to preach the gospel, we must use the best portion of the Bible. You must select a portion like Isaiah 53. Always use a proper portion of the word for your preaching. Here is an example. Under the sovereignty, Isaiah was read and was used for the preaching of the gospel to these 100% gentle. Not only so, he was one gentile of the cursed race. The Ethiopians were descendant of Cush, a son of the cursed Ham, who was a son of Noah. Ham was cursed, and all his descendants were cursed. Such a descendant of a cursed race heard a complete gospel, and he got saved. You have to know, this is the first step that the Lord took to spread his gospel to a typical pure gentile. Thus far, the Samaritans were not that pure. They were half Jewish, half gentile, a mixture. But this is open eunuch was not a mixture. He was a pure gentile. And he heard the pure and complete gospel. We have to learn how to use the biblical portions to carry out our preaching. Philip's preaching, even his activity, all the time was under the direction and the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We all must learn of this. So we need to pray, and all the time we stay in a good fellowship with the Lord. Our move and our preaching of the gospel must be according to the Spirit's direction, must follow the Spirit's guidance, not just follow our opinion, our schedule, our plan, our kind of a, a direction. No, the move and the preaching of the gospel must be under the direction and the guidance of the Spirit. Dick Phillips' presentation of the gospel to this Gentile seeker really has two outstanding features for us to learn from today. Say something about how Philip used the Word of God in his dealing with the eunuch and also how he was experiencing being under the direct control of the Holy Spirit. 
There are two good principles here, very helpful. In our preaching the gospel to others, we should always have a proper portion of the scripture from which to preach. We know the whole Bible is good for preaching, but certain portions bring us to the focus of the Bible, and that is Christ himself, particularly the person of Christ and the work of Christ. Under God's sovereignty and the Spirit's leading, the Ethiopian eunuch was reading Isaiah 53. What a chapter on Christ in his incarnation, his human suffering and living, and his wonderful, precious death. Philip capitalized and was very exercised to be one with the Lord, to preach, it says, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to the Ethiopian eunuch. To preach the gospel, we should not get off on funny things. We must use portions of the scripture that allow us to present the center and the content of the scripture, and that is Jesus Christ himself, his person, and his work. And then secondly, the other wonderful principle we see in this story is that as the experience proceeded, Philip was very exercised to follow the leading of the Spirit. At one point it says, the Spirit said. In other words, the Spirit was leading him. This indicates that Philip was a person who was practicing to be in fellowship with the Lord. So gospel preaching is not just dependent on outward skill, and it's not just dependent on natural ability. But the real gospel preaching is preaching from the Word of God with Christ, his person and his work as the center, and always paying attention to the leading of the Spirit by remaining in fellowship with him moment by moment then you have a very effective and prevailing gospel through which people can receive the Lord and be brought into the body of Christ for his testimony. What a precious unveiling of these two principles related to our gospel preaching in this story with Philip and the eunuch. Dick, your point here right at the end regarding Philip's being under the guidance or leading of the Holy Spirit was predicated by the fact that he was in a moment-by-moment fellowship. This is, I think, worth at least focusing on a little bit more. I think oftentimes as believers, we want to be led. We'd like to be guided by the Holy Spirit, and we're going along our way and kind of looking, hoping, waiting that something will happen from above that will give us that kind of guidance and leading. But it's not that. I think the pattern here that we're seeing is here was a brother who was living in the present enjoyment and fellowship of and with Christ in the Spirit. That's true. And out of that, the Lord had just such an easy way to direct him Mm -hmm. and lead him. That's true. There is only one gospel, and that's Christ. And our problem is that many times the Spirit does speak something to us, and we proceed to do it, but without any further fellowship with him. The Lord's desire is that we would be one with him, because apart from him, there is no gospel. He is the good news. So isn't this precious? Not only the Spirit would initially lead us, but we would remain in constant fellowship, paying attention to him. So the Lord's always training us more than anything to be one with him. Otherwise, there is no gospel. Dick, let's go back to more of Witness Lee's fellowship today on this wonderful message from Acts chapter 8. Today, among the Christians, a lot of debates about the water baptism. Here, you do have 
a genuine case of the Gentile believing in the Lord. Out of a sudden, Luke's record says the eunuch said, Look, water! I like to be baptized. This indicates strongly that Philip surely, in his preaching, talked with him about water baptism. If Philip never talked, how could he express this way? I believe, well, Philip was still talking about water baptism. And that unit got so much interested. Look water. You see how descriptive Rook's record is to describe this water baptism in detail. But no mention of tongue speaking at all. Rook's record stresses the water baptism. Now, I'd like to check with you. Don't you believe when the eunuch was being baptized, at the same time he was receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. At that time, the very eunuch received the water baptism and the spirit baptism as well. It is today's wrongdoing, wrong practice, and wrong apprehension that these two are two baptisms. No, these two are not two baptisms. These two actually are one. But you must have two. Through the centuries, the Bible teachers in teaching Romans 6, arguments were there. You tell me, the baptism in Romans 6 refers to water baptism or to the spirit baptism. There was a debate. Some insist to say, no, that is not the spirit baptism. That is surely the water baptism. Some others, not so many, insist to say, no, the baptism in Romans 6 is the spirit baptism. Actually, today, there's no need of an argument because in the eyes of God, there's only one baptism. With God, there's no need of water. Spirit is altogether sufficient. But with us, we are human beings. We are so physical. We need a physical affirmation, a physical confirmation of the spiritual thing. Dick, of course, one of the most striking elements in this story is the immediate response that the eunuch had uh, expressing his desire to be baptized. I think that it's clear then that baptism must have been a part of Philip's presentation. What can we glean? What can we learn from this account about the role that baptism plays in bringing the good news of the divine life to people and into people? In bringing the good news to people, baptism plays a great role. And uh, no doubt Philip presented everything of Christ and his work to this Ethiopian eunuch and concluded, no doubt, with the fact that if he wants to experience Christ, he needs to experience baptism. 
No doubt he presented that the reality of baptism is Christ himself as the Spirit. But he also presented the outward affirmation or the outward testimony of the inward reality, which was baptism in water. The Ethiopian eunuch was so filled up with the truth about Christ having been crucified, resurrected, and poured out as the Spirit to baptize everyone into himself as the Spirit. And then he heard about the water as an outward testimony and affirmation to this inward reality of being baptized in the Spirit. And no doubt, when they passed an oasis or something like that, he said, Look! Water! What prevents me from being baptized? And so he enjoyed baptism. Baptism should not be separated into two parts. Water here, and then the Spirit over here, especially the Spirit, was something kind of strange. But baptism is just one thing, one experience of the Lord with the aspect of reality being the Spirit, the aspect of affirmation or testimony being water. And it reminds me, Chris, of a young man not long ago who wanted to be baptized. He'd heard about Christ, he was believing in the Lord, and he really wanted to be baptized in water. Several of us brothers, about eight or nine, we got around him and just uh, knelt beside him and just prayed for him. This was in the living room. And eventually, after we prayed for a while and he prayed, we said, well, let's go now to the water to be baptized in the other room. And he said, you know what? I feel like I've been baptized already. Just by the prayers, he was enjoying the reality of the baptism, which was the Spirit. So when he got into the water, it was wonderful to him. It was just his testimony and the affirmation of the inward reality of being baptized in Christ as the wonderful, all-inclusive Spirit. So this uh, indicates to us when we bring the good news, we must bring this truth concerning baptism, which has its reality in the Spirit and has its outward testimony in water. That's a great example, Dick. That's a very good story. It seems like he had a very Ethiopian eunuch-like experience, didn't he? He, he did. He, he really realized the reality of baptism was the Spirit, so it made him even more want to get into the water. Well, this is one of those delicate subjects, and there are several that come up in the book of Acts. Uh, we're going to spend a little more time on baptism. Let's go back to Witness Lee. If water baptism is just merely a ritual to receive church members, this is all to get wrong. Forget about it. When we baptize people into the water, we must have the faith that we are going to put people into the triune God. And that water signifies quite a few things. That water signifies the triune God in Matthew 2019, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. When we baptize people into the water, we baptize people into the triune God. Number one. And number two, that water signifies Christ. When we baptize people into the triune God, Actually, we baptize people into Christ. 
In Matthew, it says, baptizing people in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Spirit. Then in the Acts and in the Epistles, every time the baptism was baptizing people into the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the very embodiment of the triune God. So the water signifies triune God. It signifies also Christ. And then the water also signifies Christ's death. You have Galatians 3.27, Romans 6.3, both say, when we are baptized into Christ, we are baptized into his death. That water signifies at least three things. The triune God, Christ, and his death. And the issue of such baptism is the body of Christ. We all have been baptized in one spirit into the body of Christ. There is an issue. That is the body of Christ. Wash away all the traditional understanding from the past. Come back to the pure word of the Holy Bible. Baptism is one thing of both the spirit and the water. The spirit is the reality, and the water is the outward affirmation. For instance, you are going to make a contract with me. Today, we make contract in writing. Not only so, we also get that neutralized. In writing, to get neutralized, all these are outward affirmation of the inward reality of the contract. Water baptism is just a kind of writing. Spirit baptism is the reality of the contract. And the real contract today is the Holy Spirit. Water baptism, without the Spirit, it is empty. But Spirit baptism, without the water baptism, it doesn't have the outward affirmation. So according to New Testament economy, baptism should be of inwardly the spirit and outwardly the water. So we must be recovered and we must come back to the pure word in the Bible. So when we practice baptism, we should practice it in this way. We baptize people into the physical water signifying that we baptize people into the triumph God, into Christ, and into his death, and the issue is that into the body of Christ. Amen. This is the baptism mentioned in Ephesians chapter 4. And this is also the, the baptism mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. We all, Jews, Greeks, bound free. All have been baptized in one spirit into one body. We all have to see this. Dick, as we've alluded to, baptism is a topic that can be controversial, and it certainly has potential to be divisive amongst God's people. And that is really tragic because there is so much about baptism in the New Testament it must be a topic that we should be familiar with and comfortable with as Christians. What are some of the more meaningful aspects of baptism in our Christian life beyond this thought of it just being a, a ritual? 
the main thing we do not want baptism to be, and the Lord doesn't want it to be, is just an outward ritual. Rather, it should be a a real precious experience of the Lord. When we're baptized, exercising our spirit, even when we're baptized in water, apparently it's water. But because we're turning to the Lord and praying and exercising our spirit, we're not being baptized just into water. We're being baptized, according to Matthew 28, 19, into the triune God. There the Lord charged the disciples, Go, disciple all the nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So to be baptized is to be baptized into the Spirit, who is the reality of the triune God. I know Brother Lee was a big help to me uh, one time when I first heard him share about this, saying that any time there's a water baptism, we must have much prayer, prevailing prayer, much exercise and enjoyment of Christ in and as the Spirit. Otherwise, we just have an outward ritual. But when we're really enjoying the Lord and exercising our spirit, that baptism with much prayer is not just into water, but into the triune God himself in reality. And then secondly, there's a verse in... um, Galatians 3.27, it says, when you are baptized into Christ, you actually put Christ on. So we're baptized into the triune God, we're baptized into Christ, and then in Romans 6, it says we're baptized into the death of Christ. And ultimately, it says in 1 Corinthians 12.13, for in one spirit were we all baptized into one body, whether we be Greek or Jew, whatever, and we're all given to drink one spirit. So baptism is into the triune God, into Christ, into the death of Christ, and issues in the body of Christ. This is what we must see. Dick is in so many items that we have touched in the years that we've been doing now, the life study of the Bible. Uh, I think we can utter a common prayer that the Lord would deliver us and all of his people leave in listening to this program from mere ritual exercise to the reality and enjoyment of the living God in all of the aspects that we touch in his holy word. That's what we want. Thanks again, Dick. Another great life study. I really appreciate your being here. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Call our toll-free number 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 543-3788. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. Thank you for being with us, and thank you for joining us. I'm Chris Weil. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. Produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, 
visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.